Today's reading is from Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. The parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and, his, and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. When he said, then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. The wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. You know, I'm pretty sure that something strange has happened with invitations over the past few years. Since the advent of social media, I get invitations all the time. A friend on Facebook, uh, well, let's be honest, they're not so much of a close friend as a vague acquaintance, um, is going to an event and suddenly a message drops into my inbox asking me whether I want to go too. No, no, not really. That kind of invitation comes in all the time. Random invitations to events that I have shown no interest in in the past. Well, then there's the more subtle kind of invitation, which is vaguely pressurizing as well. You know the kind. If you care about this cause or that cause, we invite you to cut and paste this statement and add it to your social media feed, and then we'll know that you care about it too. The slight implication is that if you don't share it, you can't be interested in the, in the worthy cause that they're bringing attention to. These invitations come so frequently and quite obviously are not expecting your attendance that I, I don't feel too bad about putting them straight in the bin without replying. But even in this age, when there are invitations flying about everywhere, with no real sense that you're going to go or reply, even in this age, if I got an invitation through the post for a royal wedding, you know, William and Catherine invite you to, well, I'd absolutely say yes. I'd be there. 
It's a little strange then, isn't it, that in this parable from Matthew's Gospel this morning, we find a group of people invited to a royal wedding who flat out refuse to go. Luke has a version of this parable in his Gospel, and a lot has been made of how different the two versions are from each other. Matthew's feels harsher in a sense. There are soldiers and deaths involved. In the story here in Matthew, those who ignore the invitation mistreat the servants that the king sends. There's an undercurrent of harsh violence. Matthew's story has lots of similarities to the parable of the tenants of the vineyard, which immediately precedes this one in his account. Now, as a person who tells stories, I quite understand that different audiences and different occasions call for a slightly different version of the story. I don't think we need to get too worried by the changes that we find here in Matthew. They are interesting and point to some interesting stuff. But at its heart, this is a story about invitations And the key issue here is that the invitation is for everyone, that it goes everywhere. I think in churches, we've forgotten a little about the importance of invitation. I can still remember as a teenager going with the youth fellowship that I was part of at the time to a concert by a band called Meet Jesus Music. (laughs) <laughs> they pretty much did what what it said on the tin, really. They weren't terribly subtle about it. The concert was in the glamorous surroundings of Leatherhead Leisure Centre. Oh, we knew how to live in those days. And during the event, a call to commitment was made. You know, Jesus is inviting you to respond to his call on your life tonight. And if that's you, I want you to get up out of your seat And make that commitment now. I experienced much the same kind of thing in the Royal Albert Hall some years later at an MAYC, Methodist Association of Youth Clubs, event where we were all given wooden crosses as we entered and we held them in our hands as we responded to the invitation to follow Christ. Are we still as comfortable in inviting people to make a commitment? Are we comfortable in inviting people to a life of discipleship which costs? Lots of churches have banners outside their buildings proudly proclaiming that all are welcome. We have sung it in this service today. We constantly need to ask ourselves Is that really true? Or are there people or groups who we would find it difficult to welcome? Research has shown that almost all churches think that they are more welcoming than they actually are. But as well as being about invitation, this parable is also about response. The invitation has been received. What do we do about it? 
In our prayers of confession this morning, we heard about times when we say no. The call is too costly or we want to remain in the in the safe place where we know what is happening next, where not too much is asked of us. How easy it is to fall into a position where we draw a nice, neat line around church, where we turn up at services in the odd coffee morning, or at least we did before lockdown. But to be honest, we don't want it to ask any more of us than that. In fact, the last few months, in my experience, have made it even easier to drift away, to not bother to get involved when it suits me and not when it doesn't. Fitting my faith around my life rather than the other way around. Worse still, when we are presenting Christianity to others, we think they will only be interested if it doesn't, doesn't cost too much in terms of time and effort and commitment and money. So we remove from the invitation any sense that that this might cost anything at all. Oh oh, no, we say, it's very much about what you feel able to offer. Don't don't feel you have to come if you're not able. No, 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 no. it's not going to cost you much at all. We can sometimes make it sound as though Jesus doesn't ask anything of us. We're so keen for people to be able to fit faith into their busy 21st century lives that we make it sound as though it costs nothing. That there is little or no commitment or response that is called for or needed. This parable would beg to differ. There's an invitation which asks for a response. What is ours going to be? There is another part to the story in Matthew's Gospel. In fact, it feels as though it might have, at one point, been a separate parable that's been added to the main story. A man turns up at the wedding uh, without the right clothing on and suffers for it. He's bound hand and foot and cast into outer darkness. It seems very harsh treatment for a man who has been called at the last minute and could not necessarily have been expected to have the right clothes with him. But I'm not sure that that is the point that is being made here. Wedding guests would wear their best clean clothes. This man, rather than nipping home to change, has just wandered in, unchanged. The man is ejected, because he will not change. He assumes that he has no obligation other than to show up. The invitation goes out, a response to that invitation is called for, and crucially, that response requires change. There's a tightrope line to walk here. Many Christians would want to say, and rightly, we we are just like everybody else. Being Christian doesn't make us special, and in many ways they are right. But if we respond to the invitation of Christ to attend his banquet, if Jesus says, follow me, and we say, yes, 
then surely there must be changes in our lives that will able to be seen, that may well attract the interest of others. Every time I read anything about the life of John Wesley, I feel inadequate. <laughs> in May 1738, when Wesley had his warmed heart experience, that sense finally of a real deep and personal relationship with God, that opportunity in a sense to respond to the invitation, when he had that everything changed for him. His life was completely transformed. The next 40 or 50 years would see him cover 250,000 miles on horseback and preach some 40,000 sermons. That works out at about 600 sermons a year. I wilt at the thought of it. But that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what he achieved. Diaries and letters in their thousands, the first free clinic in London, the first free school for the children of minors, and so much more. In many ways, he transformed the life of the country. It was and is an extraordinary life. An invitation given, a response called for, a life changed. The question must be then, what have we done with the invitation that we have received? What response have we made? And what changes can be seen in our hearts and lives in Jesus' name? Amen.